Welcome to the Unapologetic Designer Podcast, where we chat controversial design topics and expose the raw truth about life as a designer. We are back with another guest I already had on the podcast, but I had to bring her back because she just has so much cool stuff going on. And I really had a lot of questions and I wanted to hear all about it. So Christy, do you want to kind of introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So hello, Kinsey, and hello, everyone. I'm back again for the second time on your podcast. So I'm super excited to be here. But basically, I own um, Pink Pony Creative, if you don't know or haven't heard the uh, previous episode. And we are a brand and graphic design studio located in New Zealand. And last time we talked, it was a little bit before you went to Adobe Max. And I know you had two different like speaking sessions. How did that end up going? It was so, so incredible. Like, it, I, like, I had a bit of an expectation of what it might be like, but I'd never been there before. So it sort of blew everything out of the water and it was just amazing. Like, everyone was just so lovely and, like, the whole experience was awesome. You know, I learned a lot about myself and even about like design and then even attending other sessions. It was really awesome to see some of those. I actually didn't end up going to too many just because I was so busy there. Um, and I didn't want to sort of overload myself with information before I went on stage and presented my own stuff as well. So it was such a different experience and I'd never public spoke before. Um, so it was pretty amazing. And then it was awesome because last the last minute, it was like the day before um, or two days before my the first day of Adobe Max, and they said that one of my sessions was full. So they said, would you mind doing it again? And um, so I would kind of get a second go at doing it. And so I did that, and that was amazing because the more you do something, especially with public speaking, the better you're going to get at it and the more – relaxed you're gonna feel and my husband was there with me and he said oh my god by the time by the last session you were just so confident up there you were like speaking to the crowd and kind of like going off script a bit and I was just having so much fun with it it was it was awesome I'm really glad to hear that I uh last time we spoke I hadn't done my workshop at ECU yet either and yeah I did that and I know it definitely wasn't as many people as you were speaking to but when I first got up there I was like a bit nervous but then after I started like speaking and doing it I got way more comfortable and like I had the class do an activity and so I totally understand like you know the more you do it the more comfortable you get and I'm sure you did absolutely amazing and your sessions were really long weren't they? Yeah, they were 45 minutes long each. And then afterwards, there was like a 15 minutes Q&A. So it's a long time to be up there. And there's a lot to prepare for it. Like if you're speaking sort of nonstop, it's a lot of work. I spent many, many hours like preparing my session. I, I worked really, really hard. So um, I was really happy with the result. But I mean, it was awesome. Like, obviously, Adobe Max is just full of like creatives, designers, even kind of like marketers filmmakers like a whole different array of people and even at my sessions at the end of it you kind of have your Q&A which are really fun to do and then people come up to you afterwards and personally sort of introduce themselves and that I found that so amazing because 
there were some um, lovely ladies that I met and they said, like, I've been following you for such a long time and it's such an honour to meet you and, and um, you're really inspiring. And I, like, one girl almost made me cry because she just was, like, so happy to meet me. And I just, like, it's something that I never thought I would experience as a graphic designer, that kind of, like, um, reach with people. So it was really awesome and I think you could probably relate to this sometimes on social media you almost feel like, oh, no one's watching my stuff or, like, who actually cares? But there's people out there who do really, really care. So it was it was awesome. I totally understand what you're saying. I feel like there's almost, like, many celebrities within industries. Like, you're a celebrity to your industry type of deal. <laughs> when I went to ECU, I was in the bathroom, and this was before the workshop started, and this girl's beside me, and she looks up, and she's like, are you Kinsey? And I was like oh so God. blown away because I was like, oh my gosh, like she knows who I am. Like she's here for the workshop. Like she literally like watches my stuff. And it's just really, really cool to like meet people who support you on social media in real life that like you don't even know. Oh, definitely. Like it's amazing. And like feeling their passion as well drives and sort of, you know, how they say like you really inspire me and it drives you to work even harder to inspire them even more. Um, and the, my, my main goal out of the whole thing was to just inspire at least one person and come out of it feeling like they'd taken away something. And I, and I think I think they did, so that was really good. But, like, um, through the sessions at the end of each one, um, Adobe Max does a survey and you've got – there's an Adobe Max app and you go on there and you give your survey, you know, talk about what you liked, what you didn't like about the session and people can give you comments. And I got my comments like uh, it was a couple of weeks after Adobe Max had been. So I was home at that point. And some of the comments were really good and some were pretty harsh. So it was definitely interesting to um, read. But I had a little cry for like one moment. And then I was like, you know what? This just makes me want to go back next year so much more and to like really improve and and do things differently because now that I've been, I know what it's like and I know what people are looking for. So I would do things a little bit differently, but um, I mean, majority of the feedback was good. So it's very hard to not look at the negative comments and just completely ignore them. It's always difficult, but it's good for the motivation. Wow. That's so interesting because I mean, on social media, we see negative comments all the time, but I feel like in that situation is a little bit more different. Would you Mm -hmm. mind sharing like one or two of the negative comments that you felt like really affected you oh for sure I'm totally open with this all this stuff so there was one comment and actually I'll just um preface this with saying like Adobe Max is really interesting because you are bringing together a whole array of people different industries different levels of experience there could be one person who has been designing for a year and they're just really interested and passionate and then on the other scale there could be someone who's attending your session who has been you know, owns a company with say 30 people and they've been in the industry for like, you know, 40 years. So it's really hard. There's such a large audience that you're trying to cater for. And I know my husband taught me through this. He was like, you're never going to please everyone, especially in a situation like this when everyone, yes, they choose to come to your session, but they're only reading a brief description about what you're going to talk about before they go in. And So that can make it really difficult to decide whether they should attend, whether it's like an expert session or a beginner session. But some of my negative feedback, someone said like, they literally wrote, yikes. And then they said, "Um, this was very cliche and shallow. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then 
as someone else said, she used cue cards, so it wasn't very um, enjoyable to watch. And I'm like, geez, like I had two sessions of 45 minutes. I needed those cue cards. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't get much out of me at all. <laughs> um, I can't remember a couple of them. But, yeah, people just said like, oh, it was a bit um, flat and I didn't get much out of it. And I spoke about an like building an international brand. And obviously, I have a business and it's not very big. It's quite small. Um, and someone actually came up to me at the event and he said, oh, that was a great session, but I was really hoping for something that was really targeting more international clients. And then I sort of looked at him and I said, well, I did talk about that. I just spoke about how social media connects you with everyone and everywhere. That is how I get international clients. But people can just take things so differently to, I guess, you know, what you perceive it as. So it was definitely an awesome experience and the feedback um, you got to me for a second and then I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm just going to work really hard to then hopefully cater to maybe a little more expert or like advanced designers next year. And cause I know the kind of thing that they're looking for. So it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always tough. Like even going through like building the design business academy at the brief collective and like having feedback on course material and like the layout of things and things that our students need help with like it's an ever-evolving process and like you improve each and every time and you're basically teaching in that situation so like obviously you can take the feedback and like improve for next time but at the same time it's so so hard to you know make every single person happy because the fact of the matter is not you're not going to be for everyone, you know, like your content's mm. not going to be for everyone, especially with such a large, diverse audience like that. Yeah, no, completely agree. Yeah. And, and it's difficult. And I think you just have to keep in mind that you really aren't going to, um, you know, please everyone. My husband actually is really good. One of his best friends is in the um, um, like New Zealand cricket team here and he plays around the world. And, and I, we used like my husband used him as an example saying, imagine, you know, him and the kind of like, he gets press and like bloody, you know, on the news about if he plays a shit, one shit game and then all of a sudden he's the, you know, everyone's like, how can he do that? Oh my God. And it's just crazy. Like, you know, you get, you do get to a point where people are going to be watching you and no matter what you do, you just can't please them. But there's a huge portion of people who are really happy and like enjoy what you do. So you just got to kind of take those people and run along with them. <laughs> Exactly. I totally agree. And the other reason I wanted you to come back on in addition to, you know, learning more about how your Adobe Max experience went is the fact that you recently were on a TV show and your work was on the TV show because your client was in the TV show. Please tell us more about what the TV show is, the project, everything. Yeah, no, it was such a cool experience, actually. I was very blessed that she brought me in. So it was super last minute, actually. Um, I knew that this client, um, Ealu, was filming a TV show called Boss Babes that they've got here in New Zealand. And it's the third season. And it doesn't actually get aired on TV. It's in like the, um, I think it's called TVNZ On Demand, just like on a demand platform, kind of like Netflix. But I, I consider that, I consider Still that TV. TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it I is now like, pretty much so. Exactly. Like when I say TV, yeah. I mean Netflix, Hulu. Like if you're on Netflix, like you're doing big things. Like I honestly feel like that's like that's bigger than the regular like cable. Like I, I feel like more people are on, you know, those on demand platforms now than cable. 
Yeah, so true, actually. And they've done they've done three seasons. I actually watched the first season before I even like personally knew Ia. And I really liked it. I was like, this is fun. Like the girls are really fun. And so I really enjoyed it. And then Ia was one of my, um, she, she's probably been a client of ours for like a year and a half now. And she's had, she's like an entrepreneur and had a couple of businesses and she owns a business called Title Here. And so I do all, we like do all the design work for Title Here. And very last minute, she messaged me and sort of said, hey, what, it was like a Thursday. And she said, what are you doing on Saturday morning? I've got some time um, and if you want to be a part of the show I'm filming, um, I'd love you to have a, like, a little feature. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I actually had a friend's 30th um, over on an island in New Zealand that day. And then so I was like, I might be a little bit late. I'm just going to film this TV show. But So it was a bit of a crazy day. Um, but, yeah, we went there and it was just so fun. Like it, it was different to what I expected because I think when you like watch, I guess it's like a reality TV show, you kind of think one thing and then when you're doing it, it's another. But it was it was really cool. Like, you know, it wasn't scripted. We just spoke about design work and we spoke about TikTok a bit and it was interesting what they put in the um, in the show. And I mean, we were there for like two hours and maybe even longer than that. And they only aired probably like a minute um, just over a minute of like you know me on TV talking so no it was really fun it was weird seeing myself like that on um, like a screen I was like oh I wish I did my hair different <laughs> <laughs> so like what did you guys spend so much time on like you know I've never been on a t- I don't know anybody on you know like a reality show or anything like that so mm-hmm. it took you so much time to film and then like there's that one minute clip that was actually on there and and it's a great clip but like what did you spend so much time doing when you were actually filming yeah so they sort of it's like even though it's that one sort of clip you have to do quite a few takes um you know maybe it's me walking into the bar that we were at and then us sitting down and then like different takes of the um of my laptop and I on got like my laptop screen was so dirty and I was like, I should have bloody cleaned that. <laughs> didn't think about it. Um, but yeah, you just do all these different takes and then they piece it all together and make it all look like there's about seven cameras around them, but there's, a, there's only like one camera really. So um, it was quite a cool insight into that kind of thing. I kind of knew how it all worked before because I was a dancer and I'd been in like very minor video clips. So I'd had an idea of that kind of stuff Um prior but it was different definitely speaking on camera and hearing your own voice it's like oh interesting um but no it was really cool and I had such a cool response on Instagram from it when I shared it everyone was like wow this is so awesome um this is really really cool I think in New Zealand too it's one of those things it's you know we've got like four or five million people in New Zealand so it's not very big and, you know, once you start to get connected with a few people, you tend to know, like, a few people in every industry, especially with a business like design, um, and you cater for so many different people and so many small businesses, you do make these really cool connections. So that's one thing I have to say to people. Like, you really don't know where your connections will lead you, um, especially with, like, if they've got quite a fun business or maybe it's, like, they've got a few businesses. You really have no idea. I would have never expected to be on boss babes like a couple of years ago I mean even though it was a short minute but um no it was so fun and I think that there's something to be said about forming those long-term relationships with your clients just 
using this as an example, like you had no idea that that client was ever going to be in that situation or that you were going to be involved, but you got the opportunity because you were serving them long term and, you know, have been working with them for a while. So that is so, so incredibly cool. Is there any way that we can like access the clip or do you have to like have the platform? I know you had shared a snippet on Instagram. Yeah, there definitely should be. I actually don't know if you're overseas outside of New Zealand. Surely you'll be still be able to um, go and watch it. You just have to create a login, but it's free. So um, it's pretty cool. And I mean, to be honest, it's a really great show for like young entrepreneurs, like especially women. Um, I think it's just really fun, like watching these girls or these women um, like just do great in life and have these cool businesses but still while having fun and they're really relatable as well and I think that's important because it makes you feel like oh you know if they can do it I can do it so um that's a fun show it's called Boss Babes and if you look it up I think on Google TVNZ On Demand just make an account it's free and you should be able to watch it I think I'm in the third episode um but I highly recommend watching the whole thing because it's pretty fun I wasn't paid to do this either it's not an ad (laughs) I'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have heard of it before and I definitely am interested in watching it now. I recently got done watching Undercover Billionaire. Have you ever heard of that? No, but that sounds interesting. So basically they took like this, this one billionaire had done, you know, a whole season by himself where basically he got a new name. He got a new phone. He was dropped off in like, a different state with like a hundred dollars and he was supposed to build a million dollar business within 90 days and yeah he achieved it so then the season two had three different billion billionaires come in and do that exact thing and it like shows you know what they did like on day one how they got like food and shelter how they made connections what type of business they're starting how they were able to pay for their rent like and they all took different paths so I really enjoyed the show and I think that it's important as entrepreneurs for people to watch things like that reality shows documentaries anything because it's just so informative to see how others go about building their businesses, even if, you know, it's in a totally different industry. Yeah, completely agree, actually. And um, I've always been, before I worked with Ea, like I loved what she did and she's created a few businesses. And one of her very first businesses was a waste training business. This would have been like a couple, well, maybe probably like seven years ago, maybe just throwing a number out there, but she actually got Kylie Jenner to um, do a sponsored post. And that's how kind of Ia blew up in New Zealand because she was like, you know, got Kylie Jenner to do this post for her, obviously paid her quite a lot of money at the time. There's lots of articles about it actually. And so that was really interesting. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, a woman like her, she's just relatable and, um, you know, she's just smart and just does the right things and doesn't give up. And I think it's important to watch someone like that to be inspired and be like, you know, anything is possible. You've just got to work hard and um, not give up, especially when things fail. So, Exactly. And I definitely have the goal of designing for either a Netflix show or like some Mm. type of celebrities brand at some point, you know, sometime in my design journey, I don't know how or when it will happen, but that's definitely a goal that's on there. So when I saw that, you know, you had this client who was on like a show, I was like, oh my gosh, that's just one of like 
the bucket list items for myself and I'm sure like from what you said, it was so unexpected and last minute. That's really, really, really cool. So I had another question about the filming experience. You Mm. said it wasn't scripted. How were you guys able to manage like a authentic dialogue when you had to do so many takes? Yeah. So this is interesting. It's not scripted. Like you go in there and I hadn't prepared anything at all. And I didn't even know what we're going to talk about really. Um, And she said, uh, you know, to go with the storyline, we're going to talk about the packaging you've done. And I was like, sweet. And then that's kind of all you get given. And then they'll, um, you know, say action or whatever they're there to do. And then you basically, you know, just start a conversation and then you kind of get into it, um, which is really nice. And then they'll stop the camera. But then the next take, they'll say, oh, could you just do that whole section again? Um, but we'll just film it from a different angle. So you are repeating yourselves, yourself. It's not scripted, but you just do end up repeating yourself a few times. Um, and then they'll say, oh, let's talk about TikTok or, you know, growth on social media. Um, and then you just start the conversation and it starts to flow. Like the first question is always a little awkward, but then it starts to flow and you start to chat. And then same thing again. They'll say, oh, look, let's film this from a different angle. Can you do it again? Or they might say, I really liked what you said there. Can you um, go into a bit more detail about that? So it was definitely interesting. And, and it gives you some insight as to probably what other reality shows are like. Um, I mean, you know, shows like Married at First Sight. Do you guys have it, that over there? I've, what is it? Married at First Sight. Have you heard of it? Yes, yes. Um, I Okay, so I feel like there's a couple shows like that that I actually watch that you might know of. Um, have you heard of Love Island? <laughs> Yes, love, love Island, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so like, yeah, I'm into like some of those shows and definitely have watched those. And now that like I'm hearing you say this, I'm just thinking in my mind, do they do that on those shows too? Because I feel like that would be very awkward sometimes. <laughs> definitely. I feel like it would be quite similar in the way that, and then they kind of like prod you a bit to say like, oh, could you go into a bit more detail about that? You know, if there's some drama on a show, they might be like, could you talk about that a lot more? Or say what this person said. So I can imagine the kind of thing that would it would be like. Um, it was definitely a fun experience. I'd totally, I'd probably do it again. Um, you know, anyone out there who's got a show? <laughs> if you don't mind, I would love to ask some questions more about like your package design process. I know that that's something a lot of my listeners have questions about often and will probably benefit from learning more about like how you work with your clients to do product packaging and things like that. Like was seen in the show yeah go for it I'd love to talk about that actually so per se when this client came to you and they were like I need you to design you know this like box design and then the actual product design itself when it comes to doing that do they already have a printer and they provide you die lines or how do you handle that situation I think that's one of the biggest issues and frustrations a lot of designers face Oh, yes, definitely. And to be honest, with Pink Pony and when we started doing packaging, I kind of just fell into it. Like someone, a client just came to me. I'd never done packaging before. And they said, oh, could you do some packaging? And I was like, yeah, let's give this a go. Um, And then I kind of just winged it. I think my very first client with packaging, I was really lucky because they supplied the dye line. And then from then on, I kind of just took this in like this feeling of, you know, the client should supply the dye line. Um, And I've always had that kind of in me thinking that the client hopefully can supply the dye line. 
And so I'll always ask the client, hey, look, um, you know, have you spoken to a manufacturer or a supplier? Have they given you a dye line? Um, if they could, that would be amazing if we could grab one. Or even if they have like a template, a lot of manufacturers and suppliers do have templates that they work from. So I guess it's one of those things, if you don't ask, you won't receive. So you might as well ask, see if they have a dye line there. And then most of the time they do and they'll send it through, which is awesome. And then maybe if they've got a template, they might say, oh, look, I just want a bit longer or, you know, a bit deeper or something like that. And you can adjust the dye line yourself, which is awesome. And then over time, you do gradually start to build up like a portfolio of like templated dye lines, which is really great. And eventually you get to that point. And then if a client comes to you saying they want like a nice pouch design, you'll probably have a template on file. So you just got to try and build up that um, portfolio of dye lines. I've created a couple of my own, but only now because I have the experience in seeing what other dye lines are like set up. Um, am I able to do that, to be honest? So yeah, if you're struggling with the dye line thing, just ask the client for one, or you can throw it back on them a little bit and say, if they're wanting to quote, you know, if they want to quote on packaging design, put in your quote, like, you know, dye line to be supplied by client. And then that's throwing it back on them, saying it's, it's a necessity from them that they're going to supply that to you. And I know I'm sure a lot of other packaging designers have different ways of doing it. And a lot of them can create their own dye lines, but I always like to make sure that it's sort of exact and to the point. So it's nice to get a dye line from the manufacturer or supplier of the right measurements, the right shapes, you know, the, the right tabs and folds everywhere. Um, so yeah, that's the way I do that side of things. And then in terms of like the copy on the packaging and things, I will also do the same thing. So, you know, copy to be supplied by client. I can always give them um, my input as to maybe they need some more copy about this or um, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I'm, we're here to purely design, to be honest, and I've got copywriters on hand that I can always go to as well. Um, but I think there's a blurred line with design sometimes when clients are like, oh no, can you design the flyer and do the copy and do this? And you're like, well, actually, I'm just the designer here at this point. But I always like to try and give them a way or an option um, instead of just saying, no, I don't do that. I'll say, you know, look, um, unfortunately, we don't um, do copywriting here in, at Pink Pony, but I do have a contact that I can provide you. So it's always like making sure that the client has a solution to their problem and not just saying no. But yeah, I mean, that's the dye line side of things because it's really confusing, especially when you're starting out or you want to get into packaging. Like who, you know, who gets the dye line, who creates it, what happens there? Um, yeah. That was super, super helpful. And I also have to tell you that at some point during that conversation, your accent got to me when you were saying template. In oh, my really? Mind, <laughs> in my mind, I was hearing team plate. And I was like... <laughs> it like, is so funny <laughs> I was like what is a team plate and then <laughs> I realized you I love it. Oh, and sometimes I talk way too quickly and I think it's not like you know if you're overseas and you're not used to the accent you're like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> well I used context clues luckily I figured it out and I was like oh that makes sense I understand I was like is this some weird design term I've never heard <laughs> you're probably like oh my gosh she's so she's so good at packaging she's got all these new words that I don't know too <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask about package design is how do you handle making sure that the packaging meets the packaging requirements because you know like you have to have like the 
ounces on it and like the barcodes and like things like that. Who handles that when you're working with clients? Um, it's a bit of like both. You do a bit of research. There's a few websites, but make sure you're looking within like your country or where it's going to be sold. I think that's really important. But I also throw it back on the client as well because I think, um, you know, to a point we as designers should know a lot about packaging in terms of like how big are barcodes and things like that. Um, but I do think there is a point where the client does need to pull through as well and provide you um, that kind of information. Um, so in my process, I do talk to the client and say, you know, do we do we need this and talk through that sort of thing and um, try and get the input as well um, because I think it's important that they have an understanding of it as well as us. Um, and a lot of my clients that I do work with with packaging have mostly sold something prior, um, which is quite nice. So they do have experience in that and sort of know what to give you um I mean the best packaging clients are always the one that have all the copy and like a word document they've got everything there they've got the die line and they basically just pass it on to you and you can put it together and design it um so that's pretty amazing but like I said before every packaging designer will probably have their way of doing it and I'm sure as a designer like myself, I do packaging and brand identity design. And I know there's designers out there who just do packaging. So they'll probably have a lot more um, insight into that side of things as well. Um, but I think it's important just to be really transparent with your client and say, you know, do we need these other requirements? Or if you if they're missing an ingredient list, you say, you know, we're missing a, an ingredient list. We need to put that on the packaging and that sort of thing. So just being really transparent and honest with your client is always key. And you'll be surprised. I think it's one of those things you worry that you're going to look stupid or you're going to look like you don't know what you're doing. But it's not like that at all. I think it's about being transparent, you wanting the best for your client and the best for the product and just making sure that it is um, – you get the result that you want to. I think that's really important. And I'm kind of the same way where I work with clients. I ask for the die lines and if they don't have die lines, I want to know what printer they're looking at because usually you can find the die lines online if they haven't yet contacted them. And I, mm. I did one time a few years ago, have a client who just ordered like a bunch of different crazy sized jars and they were going to like print the labels themselves and it was pretty hard to do that because I had to get the jars shipped to me and then I had to measure mm -hmm. the jars and then I had to create the labels and then I had to test the labels on the jars before I sent them to my client and then you know if they ended up going with a different printer or changing the jars in the future because they were like buying them wholesale they would have to change probably the sizing of the labels and such. So I think it can definitely be beneficial to just have a printer or manufacturer picked out in advance and have those die lines. I think it just makes for a smoother process. And I also feel like the whole like label design requirements situation can be one of those like tricky, slippery slope areas with clients. I think yeah. as long as you're transparent and you're you have a good client, like it's going to be fine. But I can just imagine like if you were dealing with a difficult client and you're like, hey, you know, we need these things. And then they're like trying to argue with you about it, how mm. that can be very, very frustrating to deal with. 
Totally. And I think it's always important as well to get an approval from the client in the email and not just say it over a call or over a video call, you know, Zoom, get it written and say, you know, do you approve this design? And they say, this is approved, this is print ready. And then if something goes wrong and they've missed something, um, you know, you can, you know, kind of, you know, go off the back of you did approve this. So, um, and it's an email and it's in writing. And so I think that's really important. And when you were talking just then too, I had another thought that something we did recently, um, we're working with a client who's doing an alcohol brand and she had, she wanted to create a four pack of um, like your standard beer sizes, but we didn't have the right dye line. And then, so I was like, oh, well, I could just go out. I went and bought a four pack of alcohol of the dye line, you know, of the box that we wanted, bought the four pack, and then um, drank the four pack <laughs> um, and then took the dye line apart and we measured it and basically then we recreated it. So that's also a way to go. And I think that can be really powerful. You know, if you go out there finding, if you're doing cosmetics and you're like, oh, I love this package that this um, moisturizer has or something, you could pull it apart, buy it, pull it apart and then measure it. And then you just resize it to the size you want. Maybe you want it a bit taller or a bit shorter. So that's also a really great way to go because then you're seeing it in real life. You're getting all those like extra tabs that you might need to allow it to be put together. Um, so that's a really good tip for beginners. If, um, you know, you don't have a dye line and you know that it's a standard box, go out and buy a similar box and then, you know, lay it flat, measure it, all that good stuff. Yeah, I've even done that for just like passion projects. Like I saw some like press on nails at CVS and I bought the package and I took it apart and I kept the nails and like the plastic stuff and I made my own package and then I stuck the nails back in there and it was a pretty cool little project just to play around with you know and have some like unique packaging so I also thought of another experience as you were talking about the Mm. written feedback situation Um, I actually talked about this in another episode But it's funny you bring that up, one, because last night on my student call that I had at the Brief Collective with our alumni students, we were talking Mm. about like live feedback versus written feedback or sending over like a pre-recorded presentation. And one of my points that I brought up is that you always have it in writing that the client Mm. has improved something if something goes south, whereas if you're doing live feedback and you don't record it, you may not have that same evidence. And that being said, one time I did send a label design to my client and I forgot to put a space in thank you. And she ordered her labels and then she got them and she's like, hey, I just you know, placed a bulk order and thank you doesn't have a space in it. And I'm like, Oh my, how did this happen? So (laughs) I went back in our messages and I can see where I turned it in and Mm -hmm. I can also see where she approved it, but she didn't actually check it. So we came to the conclusion in that situation that it was like 50% my fault because I should have called that in like 50% her fault because she didn't actually check it and approve it in the way that she should have so we ended up like splitting the cost to get new ones and it wasn't you know anything too terribly bad but that's just like Mm. one of those situations where making sure you have that approval and everyone has seriously looked at the design before placing a big order is really really important totally so so important and I think it's one of those things too you've got to keep in mind like 
don't get too hung up on it and don't get too upset about it because, um, you know, just sleep on it and the next day you're going to feel better about it. But um, like a, another situation which was sort of similar, I guess, I was working with a client and we still work with them actually. She's a great, great client. And we were making these presentation folders and and uh, like a couple of other bits of collateral and all the collateral has a pink foil on it. And I ended up having to go to another printer for these presentation folders because they couldn't print um, presentation folders at, at our usual print supplier. And I went and improved the pink foil color over the phone. Like I did it through a, a photo, which I should not have done. I should have seen it in person and said, yep, this is the right color foil. Because then when the client received the presentation folders compared to all the other collateral, the foils were different and they were quite a different color. Like one was pink but and then one was purple. And the client came back and said, oh, look, this issue's happened. You know, do you think it's you or do you think it's the printer? Um, and I went back and I looked through emails and I found out it was me. It wasn't even the printer's fault because I had approved it over, message, like over a message. And then so I just said, I thought to myself, how can I fix this problem? And the presentation folders were like two and a half grand. So it wasn't super cheap. It was quite a lot. But I said to the client, look, um, I really value our relationship and I don't want to ruin this. So I'm going to um, just do a reprint print for you and um, it'll be at no charge. So she did pay like a $2,500, but I ended up having to pay for the reprint um, because I was just like, I don't want to burn this bridge. And we still work together. She gives us lots of work. And she really, really appreciated that. Like it was just one of those times where I said to myself, this is going to happen. These moments are going to, there's going to be some mess ups. And I want to make sure the client walks away really, really happy. Like I could have even done like, look, I'll pay for 50%. But I wanted to really mend that issue because it was solely on me, really. So I think it's just important to think, how can I fix this? How, what is the best way to go around this um, and make sure my client is happy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, unless you're a pain in the ass client and you don't want to work with them again, sure. <laughs> don't pay for it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's just part of being a good designer because that client I just spoke about, like, we had a great project. Like, we still keep in contact. Like, we follow each yeah. other on social media. Like, she still uses the branding to this day and it looks amazing. So I think that's part of, like, just forming that good relationship and also just owning up to when you've made mistakes, but also setting boundaries and making sure that you're not taking the blame for things that aren't solely your fault as well. I think designers, especially like recovering people pleasers who are designers or creatives do that a lot. Like, yeah. you know, if the client isn't happy or, you know, they make an additional request, a lot of designers feel the need to give in to that when, they probably don't need to and they just need to set their boundaries a little bit better so I think it's really important to like recognize okay have I made a mistake or is it on the client or is it both of our faults and like really analyzing the situation to like come to a solution that works for you know both the client and designer definitely and I think it's one of those things to think about your reputation as a business and you don't want to jeopardize that as well and how can you solve the problem um, while keeping your client happy and hopefully not causing like a negative relationship and maybe they'll go write a bad review or something. So um, just, you know, don't take it personally. Think about it in a business sense. How can I solve this and then move forward with that? I think it's really important. Thank you for coming on the podcast again. Um, I know <laughs> like I took up a lot of your time, but hopefully you enjoyed it. <laughs> no, always. I love podcasts. I, I could be guests and 
for endless, endlessly. So, so much fun. Are you enjoying doing the podcast? Because you've had it for a while now, eh? Yeah, I am. It It is, it's less work than YouTube videos, but it is still a lot of work making sure that I keep up the consistency and post pretty much every Monday, which I've been yeah. really good about. And I think that that's something that will like, I don't know how podcasting works. I don't know how the SEO or the algorithm or anything works, but I think that it has been really beneficial so far. And I think that I'm reaching a lot of designers and mm. I like the fact that like, you know, the podcast is on here for a long time. So like, you know, people who find my podcast months from now can come back and watch this episode. It's not just like a video that you post and then it kind of gets buried. Yeah, definitely. Do you find like you're getting more reach in terms of like getting clients and like or reaching out to even more designers and people know you more on a personal level as well? So I think, I mean, my podcast is absolutely geared towards designers. So I definitely yeah. think that's mostly who's listening, which at this point in my career makes sense for me because mm. I am now, you know, teaching and we have the brief collective and that's really becoming like, a huge part of my life and I'm probably taking on like less client work next oh, yeah. year and focusing more on that. So it makes sense that like this is helping drive traffic to that and build that community over there. Um, yeah. But I, I've also just really enjoyed being able to interview people. And I do think that that also helps with like just my credibility and like getting to know others and networking, like getting to know you. I mean, we followed each other, but we never actually had really spoke until the podcast which was really nice oh yeah definitely I think it's it's really really cool and you must it must be cool like seeing other designers that you have followed for a while and now chatting to them and just actually getting to know them which is nice because everyone's so supportive of each other it's always nice to like build the relationship on another level yeah and I mean I, I tried to collaborate with a few people on YouTube and oh, yeah. I've collaborated with Megan Weeks Design and she's like the one person who really, she's been on my podcast too. And she's the one person who also has a YouTube channel that really acknowledged the fact that it's like hard to grow on there. I just, I sometimes get the vibe from people that certain designers, if, if you don't have a really large following, they're not interested in collaborating. And so that's yeah. kind of why like I'm doing things the way I'm doing them. Like I'm having all kinds of designers come on, brand new designers, experienced designers, like people I don't know, people I kind of know. Like I want yeah. to be a platform that's open to everybody, not just people who have a large following. And that's kind of like also part of the reason I started The Brief Collective is because I got that vibe from some people in our industry and I don't ever want to give out that vibe. Like I want everybody to be able to connect and like share their story. Yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. I think that's really special that you are going in with that, like, view of it. Because um, oh, yeah, even, like, looking at YouTube, YouTube be, would be so time-consuming. People have often said to me, do you have a YouTube channel? And I say, no. And honestly, I never will because I just don't have any passion or, like, there's no part of me that's like, wants to do it. So I'm like, you, you have to have full passion for YouTube to be wanting to do YouTube. <laughs> well, I also think it just it requires so much work and yeah. it, I have watched so many people on there like post the same type of content as me and get thousands of views and mm. I have my YouTube channel longer and I have more videos and that's that's part of the reason I just 
you know, went more towards the podcasting route because I'm like, clearly this isn't the platform for me. It's not working. I have a really good perspective when it comes to just being able to share my voice and see things from different sides so I felt like you know audio would just make sense and I feel like it is less saturated over here than it is on YouTube as well and it's easier for people to find like the podcast um so I I do know that it has like some stats and I've had like 10,000 plays total oh wow that's epic yeah, it, I don't know yeah. how many. Like, I don't know how many people actually listen to it. It does say my average is around three hundred, but that kind of fluctuates depending mm. on like the time of year and like the month and the day and how many people are actively listening. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty kind awesome. of like, yeah, thank you. I'm still kind of like learning that, but um, yeah, so far it's just it's just been really good, and I I think that we've had I mean even our conversation today is going to be so helpful for designers even about like packaging and learning about like your Adobe Max experience and just you know bringing education to the design industry from a holistic like approach I just I I think also some people are more focused on like how much money you can make and like although that is a very important side of things I like you know, talking about the other things like setting boundaries and like how to work with clients and like mm-hmm. talking about those things that I feel like are often overlooked. Oh, completely agree, actually. Yeah. It's one of those things too. Like I think that's how you can grow like really well as well. If you've got if you're more focused on like building a community and like you really zone in on that. And I know like um Abby Connerick, I like I watch her YouTube videos and I'm like, oh my God, they're just amazing. And because her partner I think edits them and like I'm like, girl you guys are a great team. Like her videos are insane. They're just like so well edited. He must be some kind of like head training in that because he's a very good editor. Yeah, well, that's, and that's part of the reason like I'm looking at, okay, what resources do I have that I can utilize? Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't have like a YouTube editor. Like I don't have somebody mm. to edit to something of that magnitude. And I'm like, it just... I wasn't, you know, dealt those same cards. It doesn't make sense. So let me do something that I know is going to just naturally align with what makes sense for me, which is like more speaking and like audio based mediums. And I think a lot of people who are watching YouTube videos probably don't listen to podcasts and vice versa. I mean, there's definitely some overlap, but I think like it's a different audience as well. And I do feel like the podcast will reach more people because it's easier to consume yeah totally you can do it while you're walking or driving or anything like that which I love exactly well I think that we've had a really really great conversation today it was such a pleasure having you back on the podcast for the second time I'm sure I'll have you back again at some point in the future because we just have the greatest conversations (laughs) and I would love for you to send me like a link to where people can, you know, go on demand and watch that show or like, you know, the wherever it's hosted. I would love to put that in the description for people. So thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you, Kinsey. It's always so much fun chatting to you. We have great chats. I love talking about design. I could be here all day. (laughs) It's always so good. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unapologetic Designer Podcast. 
you'd like to submit your unapologetic design opinions, head over to the link in my description to submit yours anonymously. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can follow our Instagram page or you can sign up to make a monthly donation. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.